Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is podcast 361. Well, it's Friday, and I'm going to try to answer some questions that I have been asked over the last few months, and the questions are many, but this series of questions can be summed up by categorizing them with, what's my part, what's God's part? That has been asked me about salvation. It's been asked me about sanctification, about, that is, the various aspects of salvation, Salvation is something that happens instantaneously. It's at the blink of an eye, but there's a lot of things that lead up to that, and there is a whole life after that. But the moment that we are saved, that is an experience that happens all at once, and all of the aspects of regeneration, the aspect of repentance, of trust, of all of those things are done at a point in time. But what we do is we come in and we try to reason out a time sequence for that experience. And when that happens, we have disagreements because some of it's clear, some of it is not so clear. And it's what is not so clear that we argue about and many times even determine fellowship with people based upon whether they see regeneration as an act that allows a man to come to repentance and faith or whether repentance and faith actualizes that born again, that regeneration experience. If you read through the scriptures, you're going to see that there are some scriptures that would go with one view, other scriptures that would lean toward the other view. But what we want to do is we want to categorize everybody. And we do that. We bring about great division and great shame and reproach many times upon the name of Christ. The arguing and divisions and the how many angels can sit on the head of a pen kind of arguments. If something is not clear in the scriptures or it is open to interpretation and there are two valid interpretations, then sometimes good men and even great men will differ. But that doesn't mean we lose fellowship over that. But sometimes it will cause such a division that someone would say, well, this determines the next step and the next step. And it does. You show me where you are theologically in salvation. I can pretty well show you where you are in a number of things. You show me where you are in how you interpret Scripture, your hermeneutic. That is, whether you look at things as historical narrative or you take historical narrative and start allegorizing that as the primary interpretation, then I can tell you pretty much where you're going to end up in interpreting scripture and how you're going to view Israel, how you're going to view the church, how you're going to view eschatology, how you're going to view ecclesiology, a lot of the different aspects of theology as it's studied systematically in our Bible colleges and seminaries. But what I want to do today is zero in on this aspect of after a man is saved, there was a period in time uh, in recent years where there was a movement that just said, let go and let God. And that pertained to everything having to do with the Christian life. Well, just trust God in it. Well, the reality is we are commanded to do some things in relationship to our own spiritual growth. We are commanded to repent. 
You can't just let go and let God. You've got to do that because you are commanded to do that. We are commanded to pursue holiness. No, it's a command. And so that means you have a part in that. God has already given you and he's given me his spirit. And he, with that spirit, gives us a desire to study the word, to get to know more about him so we can know him better, to grow and desire the sincere milk of the word. But before that can happen, we have to put away a lot of things. That's what First Peter chapter 2 talks about. The same thing Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 3, forgetting those things which are behind. That's Many of these commands are for us to stop doing something that we are doing and start doing something, or sometimes it is to continue to do what we're already doing. But again, we have a part in our own spiritual growth, and God has provided means for us whereby we can grow in the knowledge of who He is by reading and studying the Word and walking in obedience to Him. As we walk in light, God gives us more light. But there is that aspect when you and I have to take responsibility for our spiritual growth. God will do His part. Don't worry about that. But many of these commands are in the middle voice. Now, the active voice means that the person who is the actor is actively, the subject is active in whatever event or condition that is being spoken of. Passive, of course, is very simply that they're being acted upon. The subject is being acted upon. But in Greek, there is something called the middle voice, which is reflexive. It's the concept that's many times translated, the voice that's many times translated, I myself, he himself, we ourselves. It is something that is personal. It's reflexive. And I call that the voice of personal responsibility if I'm teaching Greek. And the reason is, is because it's something we need to do. Look at the words and the commands for when God says, humble yourself, that is in the middle voice. That means God commands us to be humbled. Now, that's not a posture. That's not going around thinking less of yourself. As C.S. Lewis said, it is thinking of yourself less. That is, you're not the forefront. You're not the main character. You're humbling yourself. And we do that. And by the way, if we don't do that, God will. He gives us the opportunity to judge ourselves. He gives us the opportunity to confess our sin. He gives us the opportunity to discipline ourselves. But when we don't do that, I assure you, God loves us enough that he will do that. Remember, he's a father, not a grandfather. And so he will get us to the point. He will humble us if we do not. But if we will humble ourselves, then the Bible says in the book of First Peter, he will exalt us and he will do that in due time. All to say, in sanctification, we have a part and God has a part. Now, the reality is there is this idea of sanctification that's past tense. The moment that we were saved, we were set apart unto God. That is, we are set apart from the world and we are committed and dedicated unto God. We're his devotees. We are totally devoted unto him. We have put ourselves on the altar of sacrifice and we are a whole burnt offering. We're consumed by God. 
But there is the ongoing, present, every day, every moment, every hour sanctification. When we are making choices, godly choices, spirit-filled choices, to obey God as we do that, we grow more and more in His likeness and less in the likeness of the world. You see, this is how we measure growth. It's not in how many souls we're winning, like many have said through the years. If you live as you ought to and share Jesus, I promise you, God will bring you in contact with people, and you will be able to share Christ, and some will be saved. But this idea that if you know if you're not winning so many to Jesus that that you're not growing, well, that's just nowhere taught in the Word of God, because God does talk a lot about the fruit of the Spirit and growing in grace and growing in obedience because I know men, uh, and you do too, and women who are able to get a person to pray a prayer, which, by the way, doesn't mean that they're saved and born again and converted to Jesus and there's any repentance going on, but they're good in leading uh, someone to pray a prayer. But you know that they're cantankerous, they're ugly, they're unkind, they're ungodly, and God in His grace allows them sometimes to, in spite of all of that, to bring a person to Christ because it is the message of the gospel that changes people's lives and the work of the Holy Spirit. And God can even take an unclean vessel and use them. He has many times in the scriptures. But what I'm saying to you is whatever happened to growing in grace and obedience and growing in the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, temperance, self-control, all of those things cannot be produced by keeping rules. They are produced by the Holy Spirit of God that's within us. And as we walk and grow, we become more like Jesus. And after all, that's the goal of the Christian life. The goal of the Christian life is to be more like Jesus. You see, that's what's going to happen the moment we die and are in the presence of Jesus and we get our glorified bodies. We're going to be conformed to his image completely. And that's the goal is to be like Jesus. And so if you really want to measure your growth, you need to ask yourself, am I more loving than I've ever been? I'm talking about really loving people that that are unlovable. Do I have real joy in my life, regardless of what the circumstances may be, whether I'm rich or poor, or have a lot, have a little, whether my portfolio is doing well, whether I have a big house, little house, whether I have a nice car, not have, that has nothing to do with it. Joy is something that's produced by the Holy Spirit. Peace. Do you really have peace in your life? And is that growing in intensity more and more and more as you go along? Patience, endurance, long-suffering. That is that your temper is getting longer. Your discipline in controlling it as you go along. You say, well, that's just my besetting sin. Well, you need to repent of it. We cannot just say, okay, well, that's my weakness. Well, okay, a weakness in God's hands can become a strength because, you see, God's in the business of taking our weakness and making us strong. So whatever area that we're weak in, let's ask him to do whatever he needs to do in our lives to grow us, to expand us, to put us in the refiner's fire, whatever the case is, because it's going to be worth it because God takes our weakness where we are prone to sin. The old hymn says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. And we all have areas that we have to continually work on or they will become strongholds in our lives. God doesn't want that. He is the stronghold in our life. So the Bible says that there's a war going on continually. We need to continually walk in obedience to the Spirit of God. And as we do, the fruit of the Spirit will become evident in our lives. Gentleness. 
I pray to God I'm more gentle than I was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, or for that matter, last year. I pray that I'm more patient, kind, more disciplined, have better self-control, and that indeed love, joy, and peace is reigning in my life because, see, people understand that. They see that, and that's winsome. It's like a sweet-smelling aroma or fragrance, and it draws people to Jesus. So what is our part in all of this? Well, our part is, is to seek after God, to press on, to follow what he says to do, to pursue it, and to search for his truth as we would if we knew that we got to keep every diamond or every bit of gold or silver that we found and we would dig hard and we would dig long and we would stay after it if we knew for sure that there were great rewards and treasures the deeper that we dig. And sure enough, that's the way it is. The word of God is more precious than diamonds and rubies and gold and silver and money of any kind because it is the greatest value, uh, the eternal value that is placed upon it in Scripture itself. God says, I have exalted my word above my name. Now, that's an amazing statement. And so God wants us to be much in the word. Why? Because that's where we learn about who he is, what he's done for us, his person, his work, all of these things. And so we need to continually be studying the scriptures. We need to be pursuing obedience in every area of our lives. You see the apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he starts with the idea and the concept of that we're living in a temporary structure here on this earth. And and we are. Listen, these bodies are going to wear out. We're going to have new bodies one day. Because God made us body, soul, and spirit, in eternity we'll be body, soul, and spirit. But it'll be a brand new body, one that'll never decay, not touched by sin, but redeemed completely from sin and glorified. But Paul said, this is temporary. So he said, I make it my aim because he'd been talking about whether it's best to go on and be with the Lord or be in this tent. And he said, listen, whether I'm here or whether I'm there, whether I'm in the body or I'm absent from the body and at home with the Lord. He said, I make it my goal. I make it my aim. It's my ambition in life to be well-pleasing, to be acceptable to him. And this is why I have said, and especially the recent two years, That you and I, yes, we need to be conscious of people around us because people are always looking at our lives. But let me just say this to you. I can sum up everything I need to say by saying this. Live for an audience of one. Because there is coming a day when we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And our work is going to come to light. The word, phanero, is the word that has its base in light. In other words, everything's going to come to light that we've done in this body, whether it is good and valuable or whether it is phallos, whether it's bad, that is, it's worthless because the fire and the light of God's glory and refining fire will manifest it, make it plain for what it is. And so this is in the context of what Paul says, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 says that whether I'm in the body or out of the body, whether I'm here or there, I want to be well-pleasing to him. That's my goal. That's my aim. That's my ambition in life. Why? Because I know I'm going to stand before God one day and everything is going to come to light before him. And so if we're hiding, sneaking, doing something we shouldn't do, God sees it. There is no darkness with him. The darkness and the light is the same. He sees everything. We can lock a room. We can go away. We can get in our car. We can be in a far off country. We can be in a submarine at the bottom of the sea. God's there. David already tried that and he told us no matter where he went, God was always there. And God sees everything. 
So how is it that we do our part? What is the motivation? To be pleasing to Him. And so the question is, does God have a part? Yes. Do we have a part? Yes. His part, He will do. And by the way, He gives us the grace to do our part. He gives us the will to do our part. But then we have to act on it. God holds us responsible for the light we have. So the more you walk with God, the longer you walk with God, the longer you are part of the family of God, the greater responsibility it is to walk with God and live in constant obedience. I pray that this will be an encouragement to you as you walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.